You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Today, my guest is Jason Henderson, and we're going to be talking about infinite banking. Be your own banker. There's a thousand different ways that people talk about this, but we're going to be talking about infinite banking. And one of the reasons that I wanted Jason on here, and I've had other people who do infinite banking as well, is to get the different perspectives of it and to show you why this is so important. And ironically, um, we were just talking in the green room, weren't we, Jason? And I and I was showing, and I'll show it again. Ironically, I was just showing my uh my infinite banking. I'm about ready to pay off one of my one of my uh well, we won't call I'll call it a loan. You'll correct me on this, but you know, about ready to pay off one and about ready to grab some more money out of there and invest in something else. And the reason why I always want to bring this to you on this podcast is that um, as a lender, as a realtor, as an investor, if you're listening to this, you need to consider infinite banking. It is ridiculous not to be considering this kind of banking to help you with your investments. And um, with that, uh, Jason is um, the founder of uh, Financial Tailwinds. I uh, met him at Secret Knock and at Prosperity Camp. He has a beautiful family. He got to meet my husband, which I don't know if that's beautiful or not, but was uh, he's fun. Can, can't say it. <laughs> he's definitely funny. Um, but I know your whole family is involved in your business, and, and it's wonderful to have you on the show. So welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Jen. It's my pleasure and honor to be on your podcast. Well, thank you so much. So, you know, let's talk about how you stumbled upon this, because I know, you know, we laugh about this all the time. Everybody that I've talked to, you know, I stumbled upon this. Uh, we know that financial advisors don't typically speak to their clients about uh, infinite banking because there's no money in it for them. Um, and that's part of it. They don't understand it. So how did you stumble upon this? Well, I'm going to sort of give you a long answer here and start by saying that uh, I grew up in a small railroad town in Idaho, and I was the youngest of nine kids um, and sort of grew up with always someone that was older than me doing something better than me. And so I was from a very young age, I needed to do something bigger, better, faster, something than my siblings. <laughs> I was always motivated to do that. Yeah. And one of those things that caused me to do is that I went a long ways in school and I actually got a PhD in chemistry. And then I went and did a postdoc with a guy who won the Nobel Prize in chemistry a few years after that. Yet when I was there at Caltech, there was this thing that was said to me, well, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Oh, and that bugged me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? I was at the one of the best universities on the planet. 
I had five US patents issued. I had published in science three times. I had uh, almost 30 other uh, peer reviewed journal articles that I had published. I thought it was hot stuff, right? But here it was like, you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Well, what it is that caused me to start saying, well, you know what, I am smart, I'm gonna figure out how to do this. And so I read, you know, the classics, Think and Go Rich and the success principles, all the rich dad, poor dad, et cetera. Well, what I realized, particularly in reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is I was raised by a rich dad and a poor dad in the same body. And what yeah. I mean by that is my dad in practice was rich dad. In advice, he was poor dad. He had always told me to go get a good education, you know, so you could have a good job. Mm-hmm. Yet, since he was a World War II veteran and he came home to a three-year-old son and went right to work, he didn't go to school, right? Well, he, I grew up in real estate. Yeah. I, some of my earliest memories, I was pouring concrete pads at a mobile home park that we were building. I learned to drive a tractor before I learned to drive a, you know, a backhoe before I learned to drive a truck on construction sites, building things. In fact, when I was born, my dad was on the top of three sixplexes that he was finishing up. We had a lumber company and stuff. And mom came to us and says, I'm, this baby's coming. You come to the hospital, yes or no. And so he came down and I was born. Well, then a few years later, they carried the note on that those three sixplexes and acted as the bank for the next, uh, it was almost 40 years because it got sold a couple of times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sat there and collected a check every month and didn't even go to the property. Right. Well, all my brothers and I were like, and I have six brothers <laughs> and two sisters. Anyway, um, there was like, how do we be the bank? How yeah. do we be the bank? How do we do what dad did? Simply do what dad did, not necessarily do what he's telling us to do by going to school. Well, then when I came across the book, Becoming Your Own Bank by R. Nelson Nash, mm-hmm. I read it twice without hardly stopping i read through it and said no way i went back and read through it again you know and and again on background of all these other books and studying this this is the secret this is the way to do it is to be, become a banker right yeah. yeah i i think that the most profitable businesses in the world and maybe even the most important businesses in the world are the banks yeah because money needs to flow from one person to another seamlessly well when let's say i engage you for some reason and i swipe my credit card well what the amount that comes out of my account is not what goes into your account the middleman takes a little bit and Mm -hmm. that's where all the money's being made right and so understanding that very concept and reading that book saying wow i've got to do this and so going even further right i'm very detailed oriented since my background is, is in science you know i I need to know the details and I need to do it bigger and better than any of my siblings, just kind of a thing. Um, I called the author and made him a personal uh, mentor of mine and to where I, I live, breathe, eat, sleep and do it. And in fact, this office I'm in, Jen, is 100% financed using my policies. Yeah, yeah. It's- that's simply what I'm doing. This is my office building. I rent individual offices on the second floor. The first floor is uh, a solar company that rents the whole first floor. So, yeah, I love it. I love that you're. That's kind of where I'm at. That's what, how I got into it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Isn't that? It, it's funny because everyone kind of stumbles into it for a different reason, and you know. Um, I think, you know, for us, it was delay. And and of course, you're the master at putting this together. I'm just, you know, a a client. But 
but uh, you know, what I loved about it is that, uh, you know, we were saving and saving and saving and saving and the savings rate went up and down and all around, right. And put the money in the bank, save first, save first. And I think that's a big myth that we have. It's not saving first. It's, it's keeping your money in flow, right? <laughs> keeping your money in as much flow as you can possibly keep it in. And here we were saving and saving. And so many people are doing this. And yet behind the scenes, they have 401ks. And I have to preface everything by saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not licensed to tell you anything about anything. Okay. Just my perspective. But they have 401ks. They maybe have seven of them. They're not working together. They're, you know, maybe we can find the one that was a thousand dollars when you quit the job or whatever. And they're all not working together. They have IRAs. They have, you know, the, all of these different mechanisms that they're saving money for a rainy day, or they have money in stocks with a, a stockbroker or mutual funds, you know, with a financial planner. And and not to cut down a financial planner, but you know, there are other methods too. Sometimes you want quick money. Sometimes you okay, if you want to sit on it that long, I guess you can. I don't do any of it anymore. But um, for us, it was delaying our success. It was delaying our ability to create wealth. And that drives me nuts, right? Because I, I want my money in flow. It's great. You get a bank statement and it's higher and you got a little bit of interest, you know, but, you know, it's just that years and years of saving to get that versus being able to utilize this. And I, I think that that's the key for this is is to grab your success sooner, grab your wealth sooner. Um, would you agree? And then what are your what are some final thoughts or other thoughts you might have on that? Well, I absolutely agree. In fact, one of the sayings that I was raised with is value is in use, right? That something is really not valuable unless it's useful today. Yeah. And so I'll give you an example up the street from me as a guy who own, or owns a, a roofing company and he came by in his you know nice truck and I was out in front and he stopped and I looked in the back and he had this, this pneumatic hammer, right? I had paid something like three grand for it. Oh God. Well, from my perspective, that would be the most obscene, ridiculous investment for me to buy a $3,000 hammer. Yet for him, he could take that $3,000 hammer and put it in the hands of one of his roofer and turn it into $30,000 or $40,000 really quick, right? And so value is in use. And that's what you're saying. You know, some of these savings plans that we have with, you know, 400 series plans, 401ks, 529s, whatever, it's all future. Mm -hmm. well, what about today? Yeah. You know, I want to travel today. I want to have cash flow today. I want to, whatever it is today. So value is in use. And that's really what this allows you to do is to kind of do both at the same time. You're putting money together for long-term use and it's, there's, you know, proven track record there for long-term use, yet it's available to be used today. And yeah. then when we understand how to use it today and make it move fast, as fast as we can, whether that's from property to property to property, which I love most. Like I'm, I'm in real estate. I have most yeah, of what too. I do is with real estate. I was me raised too. in real estate. Yeah. Uh, although this is what this has done is it allows me to get to more real estate faster. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So where my holdings rattling, but let me give you the example. I mentioned this office building. So before I knew about this concept, I had purchased this building and I've only been doing this concept for about 17 years. Well, my mortgage on this building was about 2000 a month. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'd write that mortgage check out and it would go over here to Cash Valley Bank. It's just a couple of blocks away. Well, and I'd get a nice little statement say, oh, we got your payment, this much interest and this much principal. And I had access to nothing, mm -hmm. right? Oh, where's my principal? I don't know, in the sheetrock, the, the brick. I don't know. Yeah. In the event I needed to get access to it, I need yeah. to go back to them and beg them, oh, please let me have part of the money I, I gave you so I can use it for something. Yeah. Let me be worthy. Yeah, and well, and now what's happened? Yeah. Yeah. My worthy. Yeah. Right. So now is the issue is when I, when I refinanced it, okay. Using my policies, I write a $2,000 check back to the insurance company on the loan against my policy. I have access to $2,000. Mm -hmm. Well, in one short year, I have access to $24,000 where I didn't have access to anything of the old way. Right. Well, 24 grand. I can start looking at a duplex or a triplex as a down payment and leverage that money up. And then the next year I have another and another and another. So every year now I can fulfill my goal or my dream of saying, you know, this year I want to increase my holding by 20 doors. Yeah. It's easily done now where it wasn't before. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, I was laughing because, uh, you know, when I was in the mortgage business, I can't, I can't even tell you how many times, especially when we had the great recession, right? We had people calling us um, that were saying, hey, you know, my lender's gone. They left the business, right? I've been orphaned by my lender. And I said, well, I'll adopt you. What's your situation? Well, my situation is I've been paying the lender an extra $100 a month for the last seven years on the mortgage. And now I lost my job because the economy is bad. Won't they just, you know, apply all that to the fact that I paid it early? And I was like, no. Uh-uh. And now you're not even worthy of getting all the equity back. And I remember this guy, um, and he wasn't my client. You know, he was just referred to me at that time. And he said, I have $100,000 of equity in my house. And he, and he said, I want to get access. I said, but you're not worthy because your payments are late, because you don't have a job. And you can't, and I, I swear to goodness, I say this all the time. You can't go in and cut out a piece of your drywall and take it in and say, hey, can I have the equity that this represents? It doesn't work that way. And that's why I was <laughs> laughing at you because you use the same example. I think that's hilarious. Um, maybe because our parents were, you know, carpenters, you know, contractors, but my dad was too. And uh, yeah, so I mean, and that is exactly why I got into it is because I didn't want to delay that anymore. You know, why would I wait for this? Why would I wait for the opportunity to to make money? And I invest in real estate. Um, you know, my husband and I own quite a bit of real estate. We invest in real estate, but we also invest in notes now. So we we are doing a lot of other little things that we can do. Um, you know, but I want to talk about how does the the average person we're talking about, okay, that's second level. You have to, you know, be at the point where you're ready to invest in you know, use, use your, your funds for this, but let's talk about what is infinite banking and what being your own banker is all about, because, um, there are people that probably didn't listen to my other one or two podcasts where I've talked about this and they're probably saying, okay, you're all talking really fun stuff, but what does it mean? We don't really even know what this means. So give us, and I know you gave us an example of the, um, of the commercial unit and stuff, but give us an example um, that someone can understand about taking their money out of the bank. I saved ten thousand or fifteen or thirty thousand dollars to buy a car, and I went and I bought a car. Or I have thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt right now. America has more credit card debt than we've ever, ever, ever had, and we all have money sitting in four hundred one k that we're afraid to take out because there's a penalty. 
<laughs> okay. Um, let me give you. That was an evil laugh. Simply give you. A, it was a very uh, evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Being your own banker is what people need to realize. It's a process, not a product, mm -hmm. right? It's a mindset, not something you purchase. And so when you start to think like a banker, what a banker wants to do is they want to buy money and sell money as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. They buy it low by offering someone 2% interest on their savings. So someone brings money into the bank. Well, as soon as that money gets there, they turn around and they sell it to wow. a borrower at a higher interest rate and they make the spread arbitrage, right? Everybody's mostly familiar with that. Well, we, when we start thinking about that, all right, that's what we want to do. Well, the first thing we need to do is to get a pool of money that we can use. Uh -huh. And there's lots of different places that we could store it. I mean, you can be your own banker with a mason jar on your kitchen counter uh -huh. with the right kind of the mindset. So you need a place to, to accumulate money. And then from there, be your own banker. Use that in and financing, whether it's a personal car or something more exotic like real estate. Well, the ultimate place to store your cash, your liquid cash, and have it grow with grow at the same time you're using it is inside a specially designed whole life insurance policy. Now, what do I mean by specially designed is something that's designed for cash accumulation, not so much for death benefit. We want to minimize the death benefit and maximize the cash, kind of like on a teeter-totter, you know, the higher the death benefit, the smaller the cash value. Right. So we want the cash value to come down so the cash value goes up. Now, we, we're unable to go to the other extreme where when one person's on the ground, the death benefit zero and the cash value is high because the government li limits us. So we want to get to the, the maximum we can, right? Then when we have that cash value, we then have basically a line of credit with the insurance company now, hopefully it's an insurance company that is a mutual company where it means that we are part owners of the company, which gives us other benefits and things. Anyway, we then have a line of credit that we use to take loans against that line of credit mm -hmm. and finance whatever it is we want. Let's take a car. We finance the car and then we make car payments to the insurance company, not to a financing company. And what happens is the principal and interest basically shows up in our account. So when we're done purchasing the car, we have the original purchase price, we have the interest that we've paid, and we have the car sitting in the driveway. Mm -hmm. What's better than that? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you were buying a car any other way, if you had cash in the bank, you could use your cash and now you have no cash. You have a car, but you have no cash and it's depreciated, right? It's not real estate or something else. So you have this depreciating car or you could go get a loan and you've made payments and payments and payments and you finally have the car paid off. So you still have the car, but you don't have the money in the bank. And when you pay yourself, you have money in the bank. That's the biggest key here is that we're not, you know, it's funny because I, my husband had a traumatic brain injury two years ago, which is why he's the way he is. But trying to explain this to him has because he he's forgotten it right he knew it and now he's forgotten it and trying to explain he goes so we're borrowing against ourselves and i said well yes kind of except that we're not you know we're making the money back 
And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it, this is, I think what makes it so difficult for people to understand is it's, it's crooked from normal, not, oh, that's a horrible word. Uh, <laughs> it is so different. Sorry, I don't mean that at all. It's it, meaning it's not the same path that everyone does. It's like a windy road and it's different and, it, and it's hard for us to understand the concept of it. And, and even today, I'll be honest, even today, so I'm paying off this loan. Okay. But my, it's, I got to tell you how, how this all went and, and this will help everybody understand this a little bit. So I bought a house using my wholesale, my whole life account. I bought a house for $9,400. Okay. So I took 10,000 out. Um, I still have 10,000 accumulating. I'm paying myself, right? I took a loan and that loan that I took, I did in the name of my corporation. So I gave, I took it out for myself and then I gave myself a loan. I gave my company a loan. Um, it's called Black Fox Investments. So I gave Black Fox a loan. Black Fox bought the house for $10,000. We got someone in the house. It's not a rental. It's a, a land contract. I own the note. You know, I own the property. I have the note. She pays $600 a month back to me. So you can think about how my return is excellent, right? My $600 goes right back into my account. I can I can keep some of it if I want. It's up to me, but it goes back in there, right? And, um, you know, and, and gets it paid off. Um, but I didn't do that. I had a segregated account. So every month that I receive the money, I put it into a savings account so just for segregation. This happened 18, 19 months ago. Today, I have enough money in that account to pay back the loan. And so I'm now, you know, moving money around to pay back the loan because actually I was going to try to just pull money out of Black Fox. And then I realized, wait a minute, Black Fox owns me or owes me. So Black Fox just transferred money to me and then I'll transfer money to pay it back off. And then with the accumulation of what I've had with my premium payments, um, it, since that time, I now have uh, $27,000 sitting there and I'm going, okay, what do we do with this? Now, what do I do? So I'm getting involved in a syndicate that has a minimum investment of 25, right? <laughs> and I'll be doing that next week because it's just, you know, I'm moving my money around and I'm getting, by the way, I'm paying that loan off and she still has 12 years on her mortgage payments. So I'm still getting $600 a month. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Let me let me tell you a short story that's similar to that. And we're going to use that with uh, simply, let, let's say you've been successful, okay? And uh, they, maybe these numbers are big for some of our listeners, but let's just do it. Let's say you have $50,000 mm -hmm. and you're driving down the street and you see in a bank window, it says um, CDs, five-year CDs, 5%. Yeah. And you go in there and say, hey, I want that CD. Here's my $50,000. Right. And you do that and you go home, you tell your what your significant other, I would tell my wife and you tell yeah. your husband and it's all great. So, and then we go on vacation and while we're gone, there's a flood. Yeah. Right. And we come back and we, you know, we make a claim and everything and it comes back Well, we don't have flood insurance and to repair the basement or whatever part of the house is $50,000. So in our head, we say, oh, I have that $50,000 CD. So we go down to the bank and say, I want my CD back. Oh, I but my fifty thousand, <laughs> and and they say, and the teller says, well, it's going to cost you seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars in fees and penalties for you know getting out of the CD early. 
Well, let's pretend that you you know the bank president and you go over to the bank president's office, you know, a big desk, glass window, whatever, and maybe it's me, you know, and you come in and say, no, Jason, what is this? I've only had this like a week and you're going to charge me 1800 bucks. Look, I, I've got to repair my house. We'll have mold, we'll have everything, by the way, and just, you know, upset. And I say, look, close the door. I'm going to teach you something that most people don't understand for the fact they don't look at math carefully. People don't understand the difference between amortized and compound interest. Yeah. Now, what I want you to do is I'm going to have you take out a $50,000 loan from the bank for five years. And since we're paying you 5% on the CD, I'm going to charge you 5% on the loan. And you think to yourself, well, that's fair. That's no problem, right? I says, now we're going to keep your CD here, but give you a check and you go home and you can go, you know, engage the contractors and get the house fixed. Well, you go home and what happens? Well, your significant other says, you idiot, what are you doing? Do you realize that you have now incurred a $944 a month payment and you, you multiply that out and we're going to pay $6,614 in interest over the next five years to the bank? How's that better than $1,700 today? Go back to that bank, get our $50,000, let's get our house fixed. So you race back to the bank, you know, you come into the, the bank present and you don't close, you know, gently close the door. You slam the door closed and you say, what are you doing? You're, I thought you were going to help me. And I said, oh, I knew you're going to be back. Sit down. Well, I'm going to pay $6,614 in interest. I said, you're right. Yet remember your CD is here compounding at full value over the next five years. Do you realize how much your CD is going to be worth in five years? It's going to be worth $64,168. Uh, it, six, uh, $64, in other words, we're going to give you $14,168. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. We're, I'm going to pay the bank $6,614 in interest, and the bank's going to give me $14,168. Well, that's an okay deal. Yeah, I'm making money by borrowing against my CD. Right. Right? I'm making money. Yeah, and you still have your fifty thousand. Well, that's what I'm saying. Your fifty thousand is growing at that <laughs> right. rate, and so you're actually right. making money by borrowing from the bank, keeping yeah. your CD there. Now, yeah. banks don't let you do that. No. Inside a life insurance policy, you can actually play out this scenario, and that's what you. A minute ago described with this house right yeah. you're getting all your money back in nine years yet you have this income stream for the next you know 10 or 15 years and yet you have all your money back plus the interest because your money's growing so wait a second my account was here now it's here well it's growing while i'm using it um how is this a bad plan yeah i have more money than i thought let's go find another deal yeah well and here's what's funny what you need to know about this one is that I started this one with $10,000, this life insurance policy. That was my initial investment, $10,000. This wasn't a 50,000, 25,000. You know, um, we had, we had a signing bonus that my husband got and we put it into that uh, in different, a different policy. Um, we liquidated his 401k and put it in there. I saved money from my business. We put it in there, you know, into different ones. I think we have seven policies now. And, um, this one started off at 10 and I now have it 18 months ago. And now I have 27,000 to borrow. And I've made premium payments, right? We have to, we have to make sure everybody understands you're making premium payments because it's an insurance policy, but I'd rather spend 
that premium payment into my insurance policy than into the bank where it's earning good luck percent <laughs> and someone else is using my money. And so it's accumulating while I'm making payments on it as well. And, you know, I mean, it's just a win-win-win. It's it's not even a win-win-win. It's a win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win, right? All over the place because I'm creating all this wealth. And if you know what? If she stops making payments to me, I can foreclose on her and do it all over again without having to make the initial investment. And that's what I like about, you know, that that particular process that I'm using, right? Um so, yeah, I think, you know, that's what people need to understand. And, uh, you know, we funded one of them with a liquidation of a 401k. And I'm not telling people to do that, but we funded it with a liquidation of a 401k because we earn interest. How do we earn interest in our insurance policies? Right. Well, there's two ways that it grows. The first way is considered a guaranteed, which is like strictly interest, right? Uh -huh. um, when it's a mutual company, there's a second way and it's not guaranteed yet. What it means is you're a part owner of the company. When the company makes profit, you get part of the profit, right? Uh -huh. And that's a non-taxable event. Why it's not guaranteed is simply for the fact that they don't know how much money they're going to make this year, right? right? This year will be different than next year. And so the, the actual amount is not guaranteed. And so like some of your companies and the companies that I, I represent, the one you talked about, and some of the companies I work with, you know, they've paid a dividend every year for 130 years consecutively. Right. And think back over the last 130 years, there's been a lot of economic downturns, a lot of problems in the economy, yet they have paid a dividend, which means they have been profitable every single year through that time frame. And so you're, you're actually accumulating more and more and more on a tax advantaged basis, which is Another kicker. Yeah. Um, That's what another I thing is that. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead and finish it up. That's what I was getting. Well, to. I was going to say there's, there's another real cool thing is that it's the, the ability to build cash as it's growing. It, it accumulates. It's like uh, exponential and it accumulates over time. Like the first one we did was, was 5,000. Right. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did was I financed a riding lawnmower to employ my kids to mow the lawn of some of our five plexes. <laughs> Simply what I did. And, and the five plex paid it back, principal and interest. I still have the riding lawnmower, still employ my kids to, to work for that, to maintenance and things. Yet the most recent premium contribution, right, the 5000 a year, when I, when I contributed that 5000 I had access to a little over 10000 the next day. Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes, how many times do you want that deal? And it's going to do nothing but get bigger. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly it because you're able to borrow more than what you actually have in there. And and I think that I had forgotten about that too. And I, I do know that, you know, I know that that's available too. Yeah, Um. okay. So if let's talk, last thing I want to talk about on this particular topic, just to give another example is someone who has, you know, 20, 30,000, $60,000 in credit card debt and they're paying 21 to 23% interest, and they're worried about the 401k that they have that could pay off that debt, right? They could liquidate the 401k, pay the penalties and the taxes, pay off the debt and feel great about it, but not have any money in the bank, right? What's another way that they could pay off that debt and still walk away with the money that they had in their 401k? So assuming they have a little bit more than what they're 
putting paying off. Maybe they're paying an extra 50 bucks or hundred bucks a month on their, their mortgage or their credit card debt or whatever. I would simply teach them to say, look, what the first thing we're going to do, instead of doing that, we're going to put it to a policy mm-hmm. and then we're going to take a loan against the policy, which is going to be five, 6% interest and pay down the credit card debt. So we're slowly transferring the debt from the credit card company to the insurance company. Right. At the same time, for the fact that we've put the money at the insurance company first, it's starting to compound. Mm-hmm. And so you have this long-term compound effect that is quite phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and that's what I would teach people. In fact, I have a process. I I have a, some software that we developed, a partner and I, we developed. Really, there's five different ways to pay down debt, right? The, the lowest principle or the highest interest first or the biggest principle. It's different ways of doing that. And we calculate all different five ways and say, for the most people, you know, we can look at them and say, you know what, we can get you completely out of debt, including your mortgage in probably 10 years or less. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what's so powerful about it. And, um, you know, I think, I think that that we just have to look at it as our bank account, you know, as our bank account, if you want to buy a boat, you can buy it there. If that's what you want to do, if you want to go on vacation, you can do it. There's no restriction to what you can use the money for, except maybe cannabis or something. I don't know if they have those restrictions, but, but there's no restriction. It's your money. There's no restrictions. I, you know, if I want the money, I just request it and, you know, and then I decide, am I going to pay it back? Or am I using it for business purposes that my business is going to pay it back? And in that case, I charge my business a little more money, a little more interest, right? <laughs> so that I can make a little more spread. The going rate. Yeah, that's exactly right. it. That's so, what so whatever the going rate is. So when I go into a new real estate project, right? Generally, most people say, oh, here I have my cash and that's my down payment. And they discount that. Well, I use my policy as the down payment. Yeah. Yet in the financial world, that would really be looked like as a second mortgage. Well, a second position, mm-hmm. hard money loan is yeah. running 12 to 16% interest, right? And so that's what I make sure the property can handle and pay me back at that, that rate, 12 to 15%. And then also make the principal interest taxes, the PITI, right? right. So it, it completely cash flows and it makes me have a better decision that way. But yeah, you're right. You make the business or whatever it is. Pay it back to that. You're honest with yourself, right? Yeah. You're always, you never want to steal from yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I first started my second policy, I paid off um, like a $20,000 credit card, which was for business, right? So co- one coach is 20 grand, right? So what I paid off a $20,000 that was at 16%, I think at the time and um, paid my, and my company paid me 10%, right? They paid me 10%. On that on that note, so I and I and my guarantee I think is five in that particular one. So I'm paying five and I'm charging myself ten. So I'm I'm earning that spread plus the money still accumulating in there, and I'm paying off a sixteen percent non preferred debt that has no tax benefits whatsoever for me. Right? It's amazing how this works. So let's talk about um, someone in the time that we have the time that we have left here is. Let's talk about uh, what the steps are to get thinking about this, because um, I know that there's going to be some people that are saying, well, maybe I'm too old to get life insurance. Maybe I'm too sick to get life insurance because you do have to get a policy, right? But in my situation, I love sharing my situation too. My husband has had heart attacks. He's had He has type 2 diabetes. We have a policy on him 
but none of the whole life policies are on him. They're all on me. And we just had a grandbaby and I'm about ready to get another policy for the grandbaby, right? So, I mean, he's going to be well-to-do very quickly, right? And I'm getting these policies and they are life insurance policies. So God forbid anything happened to me, they'll pay out on, you know, the million dollar policy, the 700,000, the $300,000 policy, they'll all pay out. But what I love about this is that if anything happens to my husband, I'm okay because I have access to money, right? If anything happens to me, he's okay because he's the beneficiary. So if you have a spouse that is not in great shape or you feel like you're not in great shape, there are other ways to do this. Can you talk to us about other ways to to be able to get these policies? Um, Because this is what banks do. This is why there's so many AVPs at banks. Right. So uh, simply you need to prove or have an insurable interest, right? So I'll give you one example that most, some people may not think about. I have a client that came to me the other day and said, well, both my daughter's husbands are in medical school. Mm-hmm. Do I have an insurable interest in my sons-in-laws? And I said, absolutely you do. For the fact, if something tragic happens, the, the debt, the school loan debt comes to your daughter and mm-hmm. default's probably going to come. She's coming home to live with you, Right. So you have an insurable interest and in, to take a policy out on your son-in-law for the amount that whatever that, at least the amount that the, the, the student debt's going to be, right? Right. Now, he can be pouring money into there. It's another place to put additional cash, yet um, can he, let's say they get a divorce. They, there's still no access to that since my client would be the owner of it. That's one of the cool things. You have yeah. total control, Right. Things could go south, they could break up, an ugly divorce, anything. And since he's the owner of the policy, the son-in-law wouldn't be able to get access to that. Um, You could have a business partner who's a key or an employee, a key employee that you can take a policy out on. Same kind of thing. The employee can get upset, leave the company, do whatever, yet you would still have ownership of the policy and the cash that there is 100% yours you can freely use it. So wherever there's an insurable interest, and I think you'd be surprised what kind of insurable interests there are. Um, <laughs> your grandbaby, for example, you have an insurable interest in there. What happens if something happens to the parents? The grandbaby comes to you. You need to have income and things to be able to, to provide. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways that people really don't think about. And, and think the other generation, right? I would not me, but let's say my sons and or my my kids, they have an insurable interest on in me. Well, something happens to me, yes, there'll be money come into existence. However, maybe my wife would be a little bit dependent on them. So it would be good for them to insure me. Yeah. Right. There's lots of different ways. I know it's it it really is. It's amazing. And and it was funny because my daughter had a baby on Easter, Easter morning, um, you know, three weeks ago. And uh, I said, hey, uh, how quickly are you going to get your whole life policy? <laughs> because it is, it is rumor. She goes, mom, we already got their social, his, his social security numbers already ordered. We already got all that done, you know, so we can start working in that, you know, and they just combined, they got married three or four years ago. They combined um, all of their, their funds together, everything that they had, and they opened up a policy for 200,000, you know, on each of them because they had the cash to do that. And I said, so just think about that 200,000 was sitting there earning really nothing, waiting for a rainy day when you're 75 years old. And now it can be working for you, 
you know, working for you to be able to, um, you know, start your college funds, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. I love it. I love it. What do you want to leave us with today? And we want to find out how to get in touch with you as well. Well, uh, one of the things that I, I come into a lot and, and our listeners are thinking about it this right now, Jen, they're saying, this is too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. This is too good to be true. And um, one thing I'd leave with you is an invitation to find out more. Yeah. And again, what I started off with where I was and how I am is I really dive into the details. And so I felt similar. This is too good to be true. <laughs> it wasn't that I then shut down and dismiss it. I wanted to go deeper. And so my invitation is to go deeper. The more you learn about this, the more excited you're going to be. The more you use it, the more excited to be. I'd love your enthusiasm, Jen. That's one thing I would say. The second thing I would say is find someone that's living what they're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not, it's not some theoretical uh, process. Uh, I live, eat, and breathe. I mean, I, you, I'm i surprised. You said you had seven policies. I'm really happy to hear that. I have 12. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> then I could count what my kids have. I mean, I took my my oldest son now has four. Yeah. Um, and so it's someone who's really in the trenches and doing it. And that's because uh, there's been a lot of spinoffs, if you will. The original book was Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. I recommend that. I have a right. book coming I read out it too. soon. I read it too. And I, I dog-eared it, lined it. I ran through it just like you did. It was ridiculous. In fact, I just ran into it the other day and it is the most dog-eared book I think I have. (laughs) Phenomenal. And that's what I'd say, do that. Then there's been a lot of people that have written books and kind of taken these tangents away from the original pure uh, way of doing it. And I'd be weary of those tangents Mm-hmm. And of different things, they they sound good. You can make a very good, compelling case. Yet when you really deep dive deep into the details, and you come back to the way Nelson taught it, and you find someone who's doing exactly the way Nelson taught. That's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And what do you say to what you know as as someone who's listening? Uh, you know, they go to their financial planner, and the financial planner says, "Oh, that's a bunch of copy poppycock, whatever they call it, poppycock. It's a bunch of that." What do you say? What's the combat or not the combat, but what is the comeback to that? Because I do know that I've talked to financial planners and they're, oh, I don't know, but I've been doing this now for six years and I know it's fine. But what do you say to someone who's doing that? And where where do you think the impetus is for them to say that's silly? Um, one of the, When you go to a financial planner, they have a certain colored glasses on is one thing when you're a hammer everything's a nail um yeah the other thing is is they're not making the correct comparison when you really understand what the policy is it's not an investment tool it's a savings tool that you then use to invest you use to finance things it's a financing tool not an investment so if an investment advisor says to me oh yeah you can do a lot better by investing in x and I'll say, um, no, that's not really the case. It's all in how I finance that. I can do better. And that's why I use the, the term financial tailwinds, right? right? I don't care what you do financially. I don't care how you make your money. I don't care what business you're in. I mean, I do because I care about you, but it's immaterial for the fact that whatever you do, I can help you do it better. Yeah. And that's why I, wind, wind at your back, wind in your sales, right? That's Maybe making you company. go faster. 
Yeah. And that's why I, that's why I use that. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing we should say to everybody too, is this is how the rich get richer. This is, this is what Warren Buffett does. This is what every president does. This is what um, everybody does this who has, you know, surmountable wealth. They do this. And that's what we're trying. I know I'm trying to do is create that wealth too. And you know, what drives me crazy. I have a million dollars in equity sitting in my house right now, right now. And what's the use? Sitting. <laughs> and it's sitting. <laughs> right. And dead so we're we're selling call it dead equity. Yeah. So we're selling, we're going to be selling the house here to our kids, actually. We're selling it to the, the daughter and son-in-law I just told you about. We're selling it to them. And we're taking that money and here we go. You know, watch out, watch out. So I can't wait to do it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of been bothering me, but with COVID and my husband's illness, you know, we, we had to put everything on hold. We were about ready to put it on the market. And then he had this problem and, um, you know, and, and we said, okay, well, let's just wait until we, you know, feel a little better. So that's where we're at with this. So we're about ready to make it, make a big old injection, you know, as much as the government will let us do. <laughs> and before I get too old and hopefully before I turn 60, cause then I'll know I'll be crossing over another threshold for insurance that makes it more, you know, expensive, but I'm, you know, I'm just excited for it. And that's why this is out. That's why I've been messing with it for the last day. And it's not just this one policy. I'm looking at all of them right now and saying, okay, what's my strategy? What am I going to be doing? you know, going forward. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us and, you know, your take on it. And I love that, um, you know, we can reach out to you. So tell us, tell us how someone can reach out to you if they want to work with you. What is the best way for us well, to reach out? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go out on a limb here. And, and since you probably have good, good listeners, I'll give you my cell phone. You can text me. It's 435-764-1451. Or you can go to, uh, financialtellwins.com and there is a contact me page there um that's probably the best way my instagram is changing i'd give you that or changing it'll make it a little bit better than what it was so i'll have to come back on your show another time then and, and give you that yeah. or maybe we could put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah we'll put it in the show notes we'll figure out how to put them in the show notes so repeat your number again 435-764-1451 Okay. And I'll make sure that that's in the show notes, you poor thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. Is there a quote or a mantra that you would like to leave us with or, or something that you would like to leave us with? Um, get the or mentality out of your mind, right? Most people think I can do this or that. I want you to learn to be able to do both. I can do this and I can do that. I want you to have and in your vocabulary. I want to go on vacation and I want to get a new car. I want to buy this mental property and I want to help my child go to college. It's not an or decision when you're your own banker. It's an and decision and it can be and 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 and. and. I want you to be able to do that. Oh, beautiful. Love it. Love it. Love it. So listen, if you're listening in uh, to this, you know, pay this forward, hand this off to somebody, forward this podcast to someone else so that they could start growing their wealth, you know, and especially for older people, this is something that when we get older, we're going to have access to this cash. Um, so I, uh, you know, I just love that. Um, but yeah, pay this forward and thank you so much for listening and make sure that you reach out to Jason and find out what he's all about and do some more digging into this. Make sure that you're learning about it. 
Um, and I'm sure that you probably have some ways that you teach people about this as well and not just send the one-to-one, but um, get go to this website and figure that out. And Jason, thank you so much for giving us all your wisdom here and your stories and your analogies. I love all of it. Uh, making it really easy for people to understand how to have that infinite banking and being their own banker. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.